All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, we are back now that the longest day in locker room clean-out history has finally concluded. Did we get some water down there to Luke Fox? Uh, water, a meal, a cot. I, I know uh, Bourne pitched that to him uh, when he joined uh, those guys on Real Kipper and Bourne yesterday. Busy day for those guys. Busy day for us. We were grinding the tape. <laughs> and by that, I mean listening to guys give varying degrees of satisfying answers on a locker cleanout day. Uh, I am not as drained as Kyle Dubas, but boy, what a long day that was. No, I don't think anyone in the world is as drained as Kyle Dubas, apparently. And maybe, we will... Well, maybe all the reporters down there, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, if you were not at Ford Performance yesterday, you were not as drained as Kyle Dubas. The only difference being that they'll be able to shake things off a little bit, and I'm not sure Kyle Dubas is going to be able to shake it off anytime soon. Uh, we will get to that and more. we got a busy day for guests to talk about what happened at Ford Performance yesterday, Gord Stelic at 6.30. 7.30, we got David Peñota. 8, we got Nick Kiprios. 8.30, Terry Koshin. And we're going to break up our, our you know, conversations into mm-hmm. two parts here. We're going to do Kyle Dubish and Sheldon Keefe right now. And then at 7, we are going to talk about the players and what we saw from them. So uh, this discussion is going to begin with Dubis, and I think... It should begin with Dubas because if there was anything that was most interesting, fascinating, that really stunned a lot of people, it was what we saw and heard from Kyle Dubas yesterday. And I think like my main takeaway from all of this is that this thing is very, very burdensome, mm-hmm. right? This thing is, can weigh heavily on you. And we talked about that with the players all the time. Like, how much does this weigh on Mitch Marner? How much does this weigh on Austin Matthews? How little does it weigh on a guy like William Nylander? Maybe that's the reason why he's perfect for this market because he can be a bit aloof at times and that Mm -hmm. actually helps him not get affected by all the noise in this market. But what I never really expected because the only real version of Kyle Dubas that I've ever seen is one who is ultra confident. And it was a complete contrast yesterday with him looking vulnerable looking like he had been beaten, that he was on the way to being broken in some way, and someone that was looking at his personal life rather than his professional life. Uh, And that doesn't close the door on him coming back. In fact, it seems like the intention is, and we've got strong uh, reporting, that the Leafs and MLSE want him back, uh, but now the ball is firmly in his court whether he actually wants to come back because he said he ain't going anywhere else but he won't necessarily be the general manager of this team because he has to have conversations with his family. And I think, you know, we saw a different Kyle Dubas. We saw Dubas throwing water bottles and getting in fights with Tampa Bay Lightning fans. uh, I still love that. I know he walked it back and apologized. Still love it. I like, I actually love what he said. He said, this is me. And it was the, this is me that he presented to everyone was a different. This is me. It Mm -hmm. was a different Kyle Dubas. It was one that had been, There was a little humility. There was the humility that we had never, ever seen from anyone really in this organization that we've been waiting to see from the players. And we finally got it in the only real moment, I think, from the entire day, despite the slog, was Dubas actually looking like someone who was finally no longer arrogant, you know, Mm -hmm. and and arrogance is a strong word, but you have to be arrogant if you're going to be a 32-year-old and convince Brendan Shanahan that you should be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he's got some arrogance, but yesterday it was just vulnerability for me. Yeah, yesterday wasn't we can and we will. It's we could and we might is kind of how it felt uh, coming out of him. That was a guy who, and I want to be clear, I am not saying this is a criticism. He looked shell-shocked. That was a guy who looked like it was just time. I, I joked with you and we're talking about it leading up into the show. He looks like he needs a hibernation. He doesn't need a nap. He doesn't need a vacation. He needs a reboot for six weeks. And guess what? 
If he's going to be GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he doesn't have time for that. I think all we ever want from people in these positions, whether it's a guy like Kyle Dubas or whether it's a superstar player like Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, is to show they care. How can you look at what that job has done to this guy and say that he doesn't care? The fact that he is, and you know, if you if you read between the lines, you hear what people are reporting. And again, we'll talk to Kipper today. We'll talk to Pagnota. Uh, we'll, we'll see Koshan will, will join us a little later on. It seems like there is a possibility, a strong one, that Kyle Dubas could be back, but it's all going to come back to the toll that it takes on his family. And, you know, I know some people will say, oh, you live a great life. I work a hard job, too. That is just proof positive of what it is being not you're not the GM of a hockey team. You're the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're a pretty recognizable guy as well. He is not, you know, I know sometimes you make the case of, oh, Austin Matthews must get mobbed wherever he goes. Yeah, unless he puts on a hat and some shades and pulls his hook. Like, he can escape it. Kyle Dubas, we don't see him under a helmet. We don't see him under a hat. We see his face every single mm-hmm. time he's on TV. He can't escape it. You know, his family, I imagine they're known in the area of the city they live in. Oh, there's the Dubases. And they, you know, I don't think they're getting hounded by their neighbors, but even the internal of, uh, what are people thinking? It just, it weighs on you so much. And to see a guy so vulnerable, like you said, and I think to contrast it with some of what you saw from some of the players, it was, it was really interesting. And it's all we ever want to hear from these guys. So I'm not going to sit here and come mend Kyle Dubas for being honest, but it was really, really encouraging and honestly really refreshing. A, a nice change of pace from what we tend to see in these things. Uh, there's a good chance if you're listening to this that you have heard it already, but I do think it is worth playing because it is the you know the sound that, from yesterday that does resonate the most. Uh, let's get to Dubas on his future, the need to consult with his family, uh, and the challenging year that was. My own situation, I'll just address it off the top. Uh, had a good long relationship here with with Brendan and the owners I'll speak to them in the coming days uh, but probably more importantly uh, speak uh, to my wife Shannon and our family uh, here in the tonight and and tomorrow and see where we're at as a family and how we want to proceed with everything Uh, this has been a you know and just in learning the past couple days has been a very taxing year on them and uh, that's uh, obviously very important to me. So we'll go through all that and, and um, we'll all make our decisions and roll from there. Uh, Dubas was on the verge of tears when, you know, asked to uh, comment more on this. He was very, very emotional. Uh, and yet at the same time, and while I say he's emotional and he was definitely beaten down by this year, one, one other general theme from yesterday was that there's really no desire to give up on the Leafs and each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to the players, and we'll do the players again at 7 uh, o'clock, uh, they all want to be back. And I, I think that all makes sense. Like, they, they didn't show that, hey, there's something broken here. We have something special, which generally the consensus. Yep. But that's what you'd expect from them. But even though Kyle Dubas was kind of broken by this and was emotional and he was noncommittal, he was also at the same time speaking out of the other side of his mouth because he was basically campaigning for his job. And at some point he's, he was talking about what the plan would be if he retained his position and was the general manager and pretty much promised that he would make change mm-hmm. from the core four specifically. So Kyle Dubas, uh, while it, there's no guarantee that he will be here. And, and honestly, this guy's not 40 yet. Uh, his family's just starting out. He said he would not go anywhere else. And that's an important thing. Okay, so I want to, I want to, pa- like, I don't want to cut you off, but I mm-hmm. want to posit this to you. This has been something we'll talk to Kipper. He's a guy who threw this out there. 
and we are, we're only speculating okay. on this. Do you buy it? The, 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 I don't thing, know. I, the thing I have heard from a lot of people is that Kyle Dubas, up until this year, he said something, he's meant it. He has followed it through to fruition. And then at the deadline, all of a sudden, we're not going to trade away first-round picks. First-round picks are away. Mm-hmm. So, I and I don't, I want to be clear. I take him at his word. I do not think he's going to become the president of Pittsburgh or whatever's going on. But do you think there's any part of this? People say, I don't want to negotiate through the media, yet they do it all the time. And I want to be clear. I don't think this is what is happening. But is there any part of you that sees that as a negotiating tactic or a ploy? Or you think he's just kind of saying things in the public court? Like, do you take him in well, his Well, to word? me, that's a pretty bad negotiating tactic because he doubled and tripled down yep. on what he like. He was pressed again and said, I'm, I'm not the, going anywhere the else. The only reason I could see it being a negotiating tactic is that way you ratchet the pressure up of give me the money I want. Because if it comes out that Kyle Dubas doesn't want to go anywhere else and there was a speech, because and I want to be clear, there will be a faction of this fan base that says, oh, he didn't get every dollar he deserved. Good. He got a, he never got out of yeah. the first round except for one time. But I think there could be something to an negotiating tactic of hey i want to be here i don't want to be anywhere else and if it comes out six months from now yeah. or two months from now and brad for living is the leafs gm and it's because kyle dubas didn't get the extra million he wanted a year i that uh, that's the only I, reason why i, I, I look I at it the complete that. opposite way because he squandered his leverage to me okay uh, his leverage was pittsburgh's going to give you everything he's going to they are going to back the brinks truck up and the world is going to come out of the back of it they were going to give him everything and in him saying that hey i don't want to be anywhere else well, you have no one to pit the Leafs against mm-hmm. because uh, unless he's just being completely dishonest and if dishonesty is the thing that he brought to the table, then you're like, okay, this guy's just lied to our face and faked being emotional. Like, uh, not that you wouldn't be like, oh, kind of wish you'd had him as a gen- general manager still. It doesn't look good <laughs> on him as a person, right? Like, right. It's, I don't think that would be a good move. No, no, I want to be clear. I don't think that's happening. It's just I saw that bandied about, so I figured we should touch on it. And we'll get to the the, the, the leverage guys, the yeah. leverage spots. Dubas and Matthews are the leverage mm-hmm. guys, and both of them coughed up their leverage uh, for me just a little bit. Uh, which was interesting. None we'll of them, talk, we'll none, talk Matthews We'll get later. to Matthews a little, a little bit, but the Dubas, did, uh, the Dubas thing, he did not hold anyone's feet to the fire. He said, if, I can, if I'm willing to do this job still, you're the only place I want to be, or this is the organization I, uh, the only organization I want to be in. So I, I think from that, from that standpoint, he actually showed, again, what we've been waiting on these players to show, which was, hey, I'll do anything to be here, and I don't want an extra penny there because this is what means the most to me. Right. This is something we've been waiting. Again, he wore a lot of the traits that we've been clamoring for from the players, and we saw through yeah, Kyle Dubas just, today. Just jumping off that, you know, it's... We have heard a lot the idea of this is the problem from the top down, and this goes from before the Shanna play, and this goes to blue and white disease and the Muskoka Five and, and all that. Do you think there is something to Kyle Dubas being more open and showing contrition and being willing to change the way he sees things that that could potentially bleed down to the core, to the roster, and them taking a little more accountability? Because again, And again, we'll do the players later, but you heard a lot of guys yesterday who – we're still talking about how good Bobrovsky was and how ah, chances just didn't go in. And we hit a lot of posts. People don't want to hear that. And I think that you've heard that. I'm guilty of that all the time. Guess what? I don't speak for the team. Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas too. And you've heard that from them a lot. And I do wonder if that is, and again, who knows? He might not be back as Leafs GM. So what he said yesterday might not matter. But I wonder if taking a different tone there does kind of bleed down to the tenor of the team. Because I know a lot of people have been clamoring for that as well. How I kind of take it is he might need a personality shift to actually do the things he promised he 
you wouldn't do, which was to move on from a core four player. Uh, let's get to Dubas on that. I think it's worth hearing him talk about, and this was kind of at the tail end of the presser, after he was emotional about his family, mm-hmm. after he was noncommittal about coming back, after he had kind of gone through his portion of the press conference, he talked about what was potentially ahead, and if he was in charge, what might actually happen. The answer that I would give is I'm this spring and summer through to next October am interested in doing anything that we, after a very thorough evaluation, because if you're going to do something like that, it's you, you got to bet it's got to be very thoroughly done, which I think the, the team we just played serves as a, a great template for. Um, they won the President's Trophy. They lost in the second round. They were disappointed. They get to the summer and they trade two of their core guys for, uh, for a great young player, younger player. And um, that's, a, that's a big move. But I don't think it was hastily done. It wasn't until I think it was late July, a Friday night, late July, um, that they make the move. So the, the way I would answer it is I would consider anything with our group here that would allow us a better chance to win the Stanley Cup. So that I would take nothing off the table at all. And I think everything would have to be considered with regards to anything to do with the, with the Leafs. Yeah, that's really interesting from Dubas there. I will just fact check him. He is 100% right that the Matthew Kachuk trade happened on a Friday night because it was when uh, you and Ailish were off on All-Star break and me and McKee were screaming at Brad Treliving all week to <laughs> make me. a trade. Ailish and, and JD, don't, okay, don't throw okay, me under okay, the bus. Sorry, sorry. I'll be Ailish. working through that week. Okay, all right. You were working. I All I know is I was here screaming at Brad Treliving to make a trade <laughs> and then Friday night, the farthest possible time away from mm. when I could talk about it, he made the trade. So Kyle Dubas was right there. In terms of what he said, uh, if this was an 80s sitcom right after he drops the Florida Panthers you would have heard the like that's not nothing obviously (laughs) obviously it is front of mind because it's the team that just beat you of course you're going to reference them one way or another happily we didn't hear references to how much they respected each other I was very happy to move on from that but what I think you did hear there it's not nothing the idea of referencing it's not an they didn't just reference, they could have referenced the Lightning, who had made tweaks along the way, but they didn't. They referenced the Panthers, a team who completely blew it up. If he wanted to reference the Calgary Flames, a team who was trading a star player who kind of had their back against the wall, he would have done that. But he didn't. He did it with a Panthers team that could have paid Huberto, could have kept weak. Like, they could have done those things, mm-hmm. but they chose to blow it up. So it's really interesting to me. That's not nothing. I know people oh, have said huge. it's massive that he mentions it now. The thing I will continue to reference, and we talked about this yesterday with the idea of the two things that were worse for discussions for the Leafs this offseason with the Matthew Kachuk trade and the Kawhi Leonard trade. Because if I have to hear, oh, the Leafs need their Kawhi Leonard trade. If the Leafs make a Kawhi Leonard trade, they're trading Kawhi Leonard, okay? I'm not saying it can't be the right move for them, but that's probably what's happening. And if they make their Matthew Kachuk trade, just based on the pieces they have, they're trading Matthew Kachuk. So I, I am not saying don't shake it up. I am, in fact, saying shake it up. I would like to see changes. But I think you have to be really, really, really careful about doing it because, yeah, one of those teams won the trade. Where are the Calgary Flames? Were they playing any games that mattered? No, they were mm-hmm. not. So you got to be careful. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you just heard that clip, uh, surely you thought... Mitch Barner uh, is tugging at his collar No, but you, you also thought that he's coming back for sure, right? Yes. Because yes. that sounded like someone who had a plan and wanted to execute that plan. So you got to kind of weigh that too. Like he did go through that, the family portion, and that still might be the case. And he has to have those conversations. You have to do right by his wife and family. And I understand all that. But I do think at the end of the day, 
he's ready to act. He's ready to be this GM, and he was ready to make a move. And him bringing up Florida was, like, very, very purposeful because it basically spells out the idea of what he thinks this this team has to do. It has to make a DNA-altering trade where you're taking one player's skill set and exchanging it for another high-end player's skill set. That's exact. That sounds like exactly what he wanted mm-hmm. to do, and you nailed it. He talked about Florida. He didn't talk about Calgary. He talked about the team that got different in ways that we've been talking about or things that they're clearly missing and we've been outlining and screaming mm-hmm. from the high heavens about. And I, I don't think he's the guy who's like, oh, we got to get our Jonathan Hubido yeah. this summer. Like, I don't, I <laughs> they, just... They got a couple of those. I don't think, yeah, they do have a couple of those and that's not really the case. Okay, we got to talk about how they met the media yesterday. <laughs> the way it was done, a lot of people are complaining. Uh, it, was in, it wasn't until hour seven that we saw Kyle Dubas actually say something. That was the first real thing. I think that we actually heard the entire day, but they started with Keith and Keith's thing last, which was crazy. Uh, let's just quickly do Keith. Cause he was solo. He's on an Island. Maybe the reporters were just kind of doing him a solid or they already know something because Keith generally wasn't asked anything of substance. Didn't offer anything of substance. It still feels like his situation is completely and totally up in the air and probably dependent on what Kyle Dubas's decision is. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I want to be clear. I would have loved to have heard somebody ask him, have you had a conversation about your job? Do you think you're safe? Will you be back? I would have loved that. I hear that question asked, but, I think that with all the uncertainties surrounding a general manager, you know what Sheldon Keefe's going to say. I can, I can answer that question for Sheldon Keefe right now. I haven't had any conversations about that. We're going through exit meetings. The team doesn't have a general manager. Like there, there is nobody there to make a decision on him unless you want to go all the way to the top mm-hmm. with, with Brendan Shane. Well, the question was, and Kipper said it on Kipper and Bourne yesterday, they were awesome covering were this live. But if the question was, hey, have you been given assurances about yep. your future? I mean, that's that's simple. At least we'd have a yes or no one. Like, because ultimately, well, I think I came I, out of that being like, uh, uh, I have, is he still the coach? I think he's still the coach. He is technically still the coach. I think I think it goes back to the uncertainty surrounding everything above him. As we go back to this, and you know, this is the interesting thing about all this is that Kyle Dubas is, you know, and there was a lot of talk of will he be back? And I think based on the tenor of everything yesterday, the question of whether he'll be back is whether he wants to be back, not whether the team wants him back. But the thing I always run up, ran up against is he's only had one coach. Like this is the first coach he's had. Now the argument you can make is if he wanted his coaching change, he should have made it last year. That was the time he he had to do it. But that's the thing is that you're looking at Keith and he's going, well, general, like I imagine going through his head, he's not, he's been in hockey a long time. Most GMs don't get one coach and that's it. Generally speaking, they get to make a move. The fact that there is no GM technically in place for next year, it just throws everything into a schism. So I don't know what he would have said there. You still would have liked to have heard the question asked because you would like to hear his mm-hmm. interpretation of it. But it's it's basically asking him, hey, what's in that black box over there? And he goes, black on the outside. I couldn't tell you what's on the inside because right. he's probably guessing. I mean, he he has his opinions on his job, but I don't expect him to do a Kyle Dubas and, and you know be as forthright as possible and say, Oh yeah, I'm expecting to get canned in the coming days. Yeah, that's what I expect to happen. Like I, you would have loved to hear it asked. You would have loved to heard his answer. But that we talk about. You want to talk about a stock end of end of locker or end of season locker cleanout answer? That would have been as as stock as it gets. It's all still fresh. It would have been the exact answer Michael Bunting gave about his contract. Ivan contract. I haven't even talked. I haven't thought about that for one second. Lies. Sure, and that was probably, I mean, I think everything we saw today was sort of symptomatic of the situation where this organization actually doesn't know what's going on mm-hmm. and what they're going to be able to do because they don't have all the answers. Yep. And I think, you know, you could Well, the exit interview is happening literally 
Morgan Riley mentioned the it. day of. I mean, they not, took the weekend not, off. Not day of. Like Morgan Riley said when he met the media. Oh yeah, I just talked to those guys three minutes ago. Which it's is an interesting way to approach. It seems things. like they like. And again, we don't know the machinations of this. Maybe he's exaggerating, and three minutes is twenty or whatever. Mm-hmm. It really sounds like they had their exit interview, and then they said, "All right, go talk to Terry Koshan. Right. Go right. see how right. this goes." Yeah. And that is again, it's just it for an organization that is. You know, we can talk about all of the on-ice problems there have been and the lack of success and everything. But in terms of the way the quote-unquote organization is run, it's a big multi-billion dollar corporation. They run these things really smoothly. And I think that with all of the unknown and uncertainty and how long everything dragged on yesterday, I think it just does prove, does make it proof positive of how much uncertainty there is around oh, everything. 100%. Uh, and I guess they made the decision that, hey, we got to put Keith out there even if we don't know what's going on. But the more interesting person who was out on an island was Kyle Dubas. And, and I talked about, yeah, he wasn't hiding uh, in terms of his emotions. Uh, I mentioned him not being arrogant or self-assured and mm-hmm. he was more vulnerable and clearly his his mind and his aura had been changed by the perspective he's gotten but he literally wasn't hiding behind brendan shanahan and every time we've seen kyle dubas do scrums at the yep. end not even a scrum a press conference at the end of the year he's got shanahan right beside him they are united mm-hmm. front and that is i guess because they're not literally attached at the hip anymore in that Kyle Dubas is a pending unrestricted free agent, if you want to call it that. But it seems like there is like a little, there's a divide there. We've been talking about the divide potentially all year where, you know, are are they getting along this and that? I don't think it was that. I think it was, Hey, we've got to make this decision first before we are a united front and we're going to show that we are united front. So does that all you got from Dubas being sort of detached from everything yesterday? How weird would it have been? If Brendan Shanahan is up there beside Kyle, like they would have had a conversation about the tenor of Kyle Dubas's comments to the media and where he's at on all this. Let's just workshop it. Okay. Let's say they wanted to present to United front and it was under the guise of even if Kyle leaves, this is not a firing. This is us. He needs to go somewhere else. He needs to take time off, whatever. It would come across as uncertainty because it is all just Kyle Dubas. You're waiting for him to make his decision. It would have been a terrible spot to put Brendan Shanahan in, quite frankly, because the second Kyle Dubas is asked a question about his future, if let's let's just workshop it. Shanny's sitting right there next to him, and he says, well, I have to take some time. I have to talk to my family. Then the immediate next question, I imagine, mm-hmm. pivot. Brendan, next question. Has your search for a tentative general manager started? Obviously, with all the important things happening this offseason, you do you cannot go into this with nothing lined up. Is it as simple? Because then then I think the question becomes, is Brendan Pridham? We know he had the interview with the Flames, or they were they were interested in talking to him, according to Saravelli. Is it just as simple as Pridham steps up and you keep everything going together? That's why I think. So I don't look at it as a they are detached thing any so much as with the uncertainty surrounding Kyle Dubas and the fact that based on everything we've heard, it is not uncertainty on the least part. It is uncertainty on Kyle Dubas's part, whether he wants to be back. What could Shanahan have said yesterday other than, well, I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs waiting for him to make a call. Mm-hmm. Because if he if he's sitting there talking about, well, I have some other candidates I'm thinking about, Kyle Dubas is going, oh, hold on, you do? 
I thought I was great here and you want me back, you know? So I just don't see a world where given the tenor of everything Dubas had to say yesterday, it would have made any sense to have Shanahan next to him. I still, I want to be clear. I still would have liked to have heard from Brendan Shanahan yesterday. I understand the idea of waiting until you have all your ducks in a row and you know whether you're going to have to have a GM search or Kyle Dubas is going to be back or you're bumping Pridham up or who knows what, what could happen there. I understand him not talking. I still would have liked to have heard from him. Uh, as I mentioned, it seems like the ball is firmly in Dubas's court, even though uh, you know, there was, there is this indecision and there is this like, oh, is there a split? There is a separation, but it seems like they don't want that separation mm-hmm. or at least MLSE doesn't. And guys, just remind me if you have uh Frege, uh talking about Tannenbaum on 32 thoughts, if you have it, just got let me know. And we'll get we got it. Her. Okay. So let's, let's, let's play that because uh Frege has had the best reporting on the Leafs and MLSE working to get Dubas back and Dubas not biting just yet. Let's hear that now. Mm. We have a belief that, Earlier this year, whether it was last summer or in the fall or whenever it was, Larry Tannenbaum proposed an extension for Kyle Dubas. He owns 25% of MLSE. The telecoms are at 75 combined, 37 and a half each. And I believe that Larry Tannenbaum proposed an extension and it was blocked by the two telecoms. And I believe that after they beat Tampa, and maybe it happened before, But I believe that after they beat Tampa, they had committed to the idea of bringing Dubas back. I don't know how far down the road it is, but I do believe that they have agreed that they will try to do it. And now we just have to be in a situation where everybody agrees on the terms. I think at the end of the day, I think Kyle Dubas wants to be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But... They've both got to agree on the compensation, the term, and the straight definition of who gets what say over hockey. You know, I think Dubas gets a lot of say, but he doesn't have the ultimate say. So it seems like if everyone has their druthers, Kyle Dubas included, that Kyle Dubas will be back as general manager. And I mentioned the promise for core four change. There was one other thing I want to get to because he kind of... He alludes to his continued evolution as a general manager. He talks about being more malleable and taking perhaps a different path towards the Stanley Cup. And I think it is interesting to hear this perspective, too, because this wasn't the Dubas we can and we will. This was I can change. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the, you know, I'm campaigning here, despite what he said about not being sure about coming back. We can throw to that one now. We all collectively need to continue to raise our level. Um... Uh, players and staff there's a different you know in terms of the goal it remains the same Kevin but perhaps the path needs to shift slightly it needs to be adapted slightly and you get in between you know persistence and full belief versus being a little too staunch and rigid and and I think that's a question that I would take the time for myself um, and reflecting on the year uh, and, and then decide on that uh, heading into the spring towards a draft and free agency. Again, he's talking about, you know, potential plans that I'm going to put forth, mm-hmm. despite saying earlier that, hey, uh, it's not a guarantee that I'm going to be back uh, for personal reasons. So, you know, we've been clamoring. We just want to hear honesty. We want to hear 
players admit that what they're doing isn't perfect and they might have to be something different. And again, we're going to get to the players. Didn't hear a lot of that from the players. Heard it all from Kyle Dubas. And that's not enough to be like, hey, I believe in this guy and I'm, I'm back on board and I think he's the best person for the job. But I do wonder if they do move on and apparently they don't want to. But if he decides to move on, that the guy that you had targeted and identified as this like superstar potentially mm-hmm. in this league, you have already moved on before you see the best version of him. And I think that is very, very possible. And you can say that every year, right? Yep. Every year can be like, oh, dude, it was next year. That's that's when it would have happened. And we've been doing next year for a little while here. But I do think it's possible because this guy was given the reins too soon. He was given the opportunity to learn on the job. Has he finally reached the point where he has had his eureka moment, where he's the fully formed version of himself, where he can be the best guy for this situation? If you ask anyone in the organization, it feels like they want Kyle Dubas from the you know, the 23rd man on the mm-hmm. roster to Larry Tannenbaum at the top. They all seem to be backing Kyle Dubas. That was the big theme of yesterday, backing Kyle Dubas. And I feel like if they decide to move on or Kyle Dubas to move, decides to move on, you may miss out on the best version of your best candidate. And and we'll see what happens now at the end of the day with Brendan Shanahan expected to speak in a couple of days. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the that's the terrifying part. It's part of the terrifying part. It's, a, it's actually really funny, the parallels to Mitch Marner, right? There are a lot of people, and we'll talk about the players later on, of you trade Mitch Marner and you're going to go watch him win a con Smythe with the Blackhawks or wherever, wherever the Ducks or wherever he ends up. Like there are a lot of people who believe that. And I think that that's the belief with Kyle Dubas is that if you leave, this is the wonder kid GM, you know, it, it wasn't just the Leafs who anointed him this, right? Like he was, he was sought after by a lot of people, Colorado Avalanche, pretty good organization. They know what they're doing. They wanted to get their paws on him when Lou Lamorello still had the car keys here. Okay. So this is not just the Leafs anointing this guy. It's a lot of people who have been doing it and I think you're you're right you do really want to you know you want to be careful of moving on from that and the last the last thing I'll say about that is that it it goes back to what we talk about with players all you want is for a young player to make strides year over year until eventually they reach their prime and then they become the fully formed version of their self it would have been really really silly to me to move on from Kyle Dubas the year he did all the right moves. And I know it didn't work and they lost to Florida, but it wasn't because of the moves he made. It wasn't because Sam Lafferty wasn't the right pickup or Ryan O'Reilly couldn't get it done. It was because the big boys didn't show up. And to see a guy make the moves you want, to make the tweaks, to show some contrition, to show some growth and say, all right, well, hopefully somebody else gets the best version of him. It'd be terrifying. And that's all that ever happens to Leaf fans. We just had Carter Fraggy rip our heart out in a round against Florida, okay? So you would hate to have the GM of Carter for Haggies building a dynasty in Anaheim or Ottawa. And again, based on his comments, doesn't seem like that's happening, but you're right. It's a, it's definitely a worry. No one has valued the core four like Dubas. And to this point, it's well, been me, to a fault. Me, but other than me, Kyle Dubas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think you, okay. I, I don't even think you. I'm one uh, B. He could be one, but a. he's up there. He's up there. And he is going to handle the situation with care. Whereas someone new coming in who does no, affinity who has no care for these guys really Mm -hmm. who doesn't care about Mitch Marner's feelings at all are they going to put as much thought and pour everything into that trade like Kyle Dubas would Kyle Dubas recognizes the mix is not right that there needs to be a change so trust that his care and his love for those four guys will help you make the right deal because he's not going to shortchange them Mm -hmm. he's not going to be like pennies on the dollar give them to me because just for the sake of change, Kyle Dubas, I think, is going to treat this situation with care. 
And uh, yeah, it feels like I've been convinced after yesterday a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. I've been talking, I've been going through the uh, yes or no. I don't know if Kyle Dubas is the right guy. Yesterday, I, I saw and heard enough change and real honesty from him that I'm like, yeah, I think he is the best guy for this job now. Yeah, and I know I know we got to get to Gordo because I want to hear his his thoughts on all this as well. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. The idea that you're you're seeing strides made and it's just a different version of this guy. You don't want to move on from that. And again, it just goes back to the idea of you see a you see a player improving, you don't move on from it. You see a GM improving, you wouldn't want to do that either. And I think I'm just I honestly I'm so happy at the way the tenor of all of this has changed. It went from should Kyle Dubas be back to does Kyle Dubas want to be back in the span of 24 hours is based on his comments. And honestly, I, I'm not going to say I feel better about it because I'll feel better about it when he's back or, or he is confirmed to be back as a Leafs mm-hmm. GM. But the fact that it is not the team moving on from him does make me feel a lot, a lot better about it. A uh, big show today. Stelic, Penyota, Kiprios, Koshin. We'll have all four of those guests, but we'll start the guest list with Stelic after the break. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show. Foregoing an A-list this morning because we have a... The G-list. <laughs> yeah, it's Gordo. The it's the G-list. And we're starting our guest list with Gord. Uh, Gord Stellick, former Maple Leafs GM and co-host of Leafs Nation with our buddy Gunner here, another G. Um, good morning, Gord. Morning, Justin. Morning, Brent. How are we doing, Gordo? Honestly, I just got to say, you know, we we messaged each other over the weekend. It was an awesome year. I wish it ended better than it did. They finally got over the hump, but I'm still not all the way happy. So it was a really fun year with you, Gordo. Before we get going, just wanted to say that. Well, you know, it really, really enjoyable and Armin and everybody else. But, but you know, like, you know, we're, we and a lot of fans are still stewing about things. But yesterday certainly dispels the notion that Toronto's a difficult city to play in. Uh, I mean, you know, the medals have done a We Are the World charity video yesterday. Everyone, this is like, did we win the Stanley Cup? Did I miss something? <laughs> well, why do you say that? Like, who had it easy yesterday? Everybody. Everybody. They get off way too easy about it. I, I, like, I, like, you know, uh, winning a playoff round was very significant, and I, I, don't, I don't diminish that. That was a big thing. Uh, long, long overdue. But uh, yesterday, um, in in the sense, like, like don't don't attack the big four or talk to, to the, the big four about. They, I mean, they got their own situation, so that's for people to make decisions. I'm I'm really big on this team. This team's a really talented team. It was an excellent regular season, but I, I'd like to find out more that okay, if you believe you can stay the course and win it all, how can you show up the first three games about against the Florida Panthers and just get outplayed? They wanted the puck more. Mm. They won the battles. You couldn't get out of your own zone. So that's great. You did it in games four and game five. You're one and five on home ice in the playoffs. Your last seven consecutive games on a team that relies on offense. You only scored two goals in those seven games. So that's, I, I just want to hear a little bit more about that, that, okay, if we're going to stay the course, you know, it's not the disaster like it was against Columbus or against Montreal where they flat out played their worst hockey of the season in those playoffs. I mean, you know, they competed really well against Tampa Bay. They probably got outplayed most against Tampa Bay, but they won it. So good on them. And, and that, was, that was significant. But then you follow up the next act with that. So, okay, I mean, you know, we're, we're running out of time. If incrementally this gang thinks that is the path that will ultimately get you the Stanley Cup. 
I'm not sure we should be surprised, and and I, I don't know how much the media does play into this, but I think one of the big themes yesterday was the continued want to be a Maple Leaf, with the exception of Kyle Dubas, who did seem like he wanted to be a Maple Leaf at the end of the day, uh, despite like you know mentioning how you know he's got to make a family decision here. I mean, uniformly across the board, if they had it, you know, maybe with the exception of Ryan O'Reilly, it seemed like everyone was real interested in running this back. Are you surprised that there was no one else? that no one with this organization has really been like, man, I've had enough here like this. I I just don't see it working myself. Like, what does that say about the franchise that there is a strong continued want to be a Toronto Maple Leaf? Justin, I view that as a big positive. That's exactly it. I mean, it kicks ass to play here. This is a, this is a very desirable organization to play in. They get treated really, really well. And, and that's again, a bit of the balance is it maybe too well at times about, um, a, a lack of demand or whatever, whatever you want to call it, that, that, that has them fall short in the playoffs. But I, I like that. I, I like that they like being a Toronto Maple Leaf. Like I said, Brent and I did, and Justin, you did as well, about you know, just covering games and just an exciting, skilled team to watch. You know, People that get knee-jerk reactions about doing a rebuild, well, that, that's ridiculous. But I, I don't want it to be like Kevin Garnett's time with the Minnesota Timberwolves, that he was a player that always got eliminated in the first round and then won when he went to the Boston Celtics. Like, this was a, like, like I like that Sheldon Keefe seemed to be the only individual that stated this was really a missed opportunity base that when you get down 3 nothing, you got, you got no margin. You got no margin for error. So, you know, it was a team that, you know, that like, and, and that core group, you know, just the last two games about really showed they had the give a bleep factor and could have won four in a row, but you got no margin for error, whether it's hard luck, uh, a questionable call, whatever it may be, uh, um, uh, an unfortunate couple guys falling in three on two and Yarn Kroc maybe being pushed a bit or, or fell or whatever. Anyway, but I, I, I do. Like, I'm, I'm not about blowing it up and not whatever. You got Joseph Wall, Matthew Nyes next year. You got two, those are two blue chip players at entry-level salaries, which is a huge help as far as the salary cap situation goes moving forward. So there's, there's a lot of positives. I, I'm just tired of just everything being dismissed that, oh, well, part of the process. We learned. Well, no, you didn't learn. You didn't learn if you came out like that the first three games against the Florida Panthers. You did not learn from past playoffs that that is unacceptable if you truly, truly mean you intend and want to win the Stanley Cup as a team. Yeah, you're right, Gord. I mean, so much of this, I mean, look, there's moments in every series, right? But so much of this goes back to the first minute of the second period of, of game game two. Yeah, game two there. And it's just, it's it's those little moments that show you. And it's just taking your foot off the gas at the worst possible time. And it continues to have been an, an issue. You know, obviously a big talking point coming out of yesterday was Kyle Dubas and the pressure that's on him. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you what's the pressure of being the Toronto Maple Leafs GM like? Now, obviously, you know, the world's a little different now uh, th- than it was not that long ago, Gord, when you when you were the Leafs GM. But what is the pressure like of not just being a GM in the National Hockey League, but being the Toronto Maple Leafs GM? And, you know, what were you thinking watching watching Dubas's comments yesterday? Well, you know, I, I was, and he talked about the pressure on his family. And uh, when I was GM, I, I, I was single. Okay, so, so I can't... I, I can't uh, comment on that particular part, but I can empathize. And, and obviously, uh, that's important nowadays about you know getting balance in your life. So, so I respect that. But you know, again, about Kyle Dubas' situation, and I'm hearing people say, "Well, okay, it's good. He's not going to go anywhere." Well, the guy he replaces GM of the year the next two years, a little Amarello with the Islanders. So, I mean, we already had a guy go somewhere else. It doesn't matter if anyone goes somewhere else. What they do, who's going to do the job now? And I'm fine if Kyle Dubas is the guy. 
that's fine. If that's the guy they want to get to the next level and that, what right now, though, the, the, the quandary for him is, uh, if, if genuinely he is, wants to reflect in that, well, there's going to be a hell of a lot more pressure next year, okay? You know, like, and, and, and you've and you got some work to do now. Wherever the GM is, this is you got guys with no trade contracts kicking in July 1st. So if you're thinking about making a big deal, and I'm not saying you should, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got imminent deadlines in that respect. So I did think it was interesting that, you know, people are reporting that it's rumored he could go to Pittsburgh and Ottawa, and he dismissed that. But on the other side, whatever decision, and I respect that, but, you know, he's got to be all in uh, soon. Or else, if he wants to take that, you know, time away, I certainly respect that. But uh, so it seems like he has the faith of Brendan Shanahan and ownership that there looks like, and I I guess Sheldon Keefe does as well. I don't have a problem. I'm not calling for anyone's heads. I'm just saying, please, next year in the playoffs, can you understand collectively that those first three games against the Florida Panthers will never pass the smell test if if you love this group as much, whether the manager, the coach, the players, and to get to the next round. So anyway, I respect whatever decision Kyle Dubas makes, and I know he knows that obviously he'll have to be all in one way or another. Uh, one thing that's clear, Gord, is that Kyle Dubas has the full uh, respect and uh, backing of his players. And I think that goes well beyond, hey, that he gave us the world here with these contracts. <laughs> I, I, I do believe that there's something that's a big part of it. <laughs> beyond beyond just that, although I, I, it is a big part of it as well. Uh, when When a GM is like, universally loved by its players. What does that say about the GM? Well, Lou Lamorello was that as well, and he's gone. And you can find the next guy that will be universally loved by their general manager as well. Um, so, uh, again, I, I respect that they've created an environment here that players really want to be here and a very positive environment, but not a playoff-winning environment. So I'm, I'm fine with that. But at the end of the day, uh, you have to get results. And being loved really doesn't, you know, like I – I kid, you know, I kid about it. I love my mom, but she shouldn't be GM of the Leafs at age 93 <laughs> or even any age. You know, so that part's fine. But uh, you know, I'm 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 not working for him. Uh, so I'd like to be doing games with Brent uh, deeper next year in the playoffs. And the average Leaf fan, um, you know, is, is is kind of accepting this, which is good. Like they're kind of accepting this has been fine enough. But you know, they're running out of patience too about you know not going deep, and that at some point could get to a you know, a, a sort of a boiling point where all of a sudden you, you got teams now, now that are the red, everyone's teams are getting better now in your division. And all of a sudden, like, holy crap, like, like Kyle Dubas was handed a team that makes the playoffs every year. They already had, he did not have to start by making the playoffs. They were in the playoffs. It was to get to the next level. And, you know, if you go back, it's like when the Leafs played a six game series against the Washington Capitals, it was a great series, got a standing ovation after you wouldn't think six years later is the first time they were going to win a playoff round. You know, when you look at the big picture. So again, that round did happen this year. So I'm understanding that that, that is considered, that is considered a positive, but you know, they are running out of time about the, I think the average fans appetite about not, not going deeper. And they blew a, they blew a hell of an opportunity with Tampa Bay, whom they eliminated Boston and Colorado all being out the team that won the Stanley cup the last 16 years, is not in the playoffs right now. So teams like the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights have a unique opportunity that the Toronto Maple Leafs could have had. 
Yeah, it was a golden opportunity sitting right there in front of him. Uh, fan morning show, Brent Gunning, Justin Cuthbert, talking to Gord Stelic uh, right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. You know, Gord, you and I have talked so much about Austin Matthews all season long, and, you know, pretty much from the four-goal game, we've talked about there's a chance this guy has to go down as the greatest Leaf of all time. Now, you got to win to do that, and you got to probably sign another contract to do that. Uh, was the best piece of news we heard coming out of the Leafs media avails that Austin Matthews wants to sign a contract extension, and he wants to get it done this summer absolutely absolutely uh, he and mitch marner are truly special players they are the rare superstar type players mitch marner's a year away from where they have to start looking at that situation uh i i, I don't know austin matthews at all but i i hear he has a sense of what it means to be a toronto maple leaf a lot of pride about it that if he stays here uh he could be arguably the greatest toronto maple leaf ever when his career is said and done so i i I viewed that as the positive that he, didn't, he did not give a wishy-washy answer, you know, and unlike say like Vladdy Guerrero in baseball or whomever, where there is no salary cap. So who knows what numbers they are talking to. We all know the maximum you can get is, is a finite number. It's 20% of the cap and that applies for the Leafs or 31 other teams. So, you know, it's, it's financially, it's, it's obviously doable. So I, I, I gleaned that, you know, as one of the real positive things yesterday. Did anything stand out to you from Mitch Marner's media appearance? Um, no, nah, I don't know. Not really. Um, you know, he's kind of getting ahead of, he wants to be here too. So, you know, he's, he did the, we are the world. He grew up here. I, I like that. He embraces that. He loves it. He's a, he's, he's the one local guy. Well, John Tavares came here. He's a local guy, but he didn't get drafted here. So, uh, I, I like that, you know, I, he's living every kid's dream. Uh, you know, like I think all of us would love that growing up in this area to, you know, be that skilled guy and do it. Like, it's great being a local guy like Wyatt Johnston and getting a big goal for Dallas last night. And mm. he's having a heck of a time there at age just turning 20 the other day. But, you know, that that's neat. That's neat that, you know, Mitch Marner gets to do that. So, you know, he's a year down the road. But, you know, Justin, and he's in the second round. He was one of the guys like, you know, the playoffs, first of all, the bottom half teams are gone. We all know that. Okay, so the best teams are playing. And they're playing an intense style. And space is harder to find. And Mitch found it hard to find in the second round. Okay. And he's, he's, he's had success in certain playoff rounds and that throughout, but that, you know, he's one of those guys that whatever happened against Florida, you know, just can't happen again to that degree. If this core group and this leadership group, you know, are coming back and are truly are intent on doing what it takes to get to a next level. Uh, in terms of newsy bits, John Tavares provided one of the few, I think, at least from the player interviews, uh, basically all but saying he won't waive his no-trade clause to to move on, and that hasn't been broached to him, so it was getting ahead of ourselves, of course. But how do you... How would you manage or massage the Tavares situation? Is it just, hey, let's talk about solutions here. Let's talk about moving to the wing. Let's talk about lessening the role. Like, how would you deal with this? Because the Leafs do have to deal with this for the next two years. Yeah, and John Tavares coming to Toronto, I was, like everybody, over the moon about it. So, you know, full on, you know, that was a great signing. It was a great message that he gave to Toronto Maple Leaf fans and the organization and the kind of crap he's taken with the Islanders. So, yeah, you you you, you got to live it and wear it. That eleven million dollar salary tag, which is um, which is which is overvalued now in, in in a cap world. I never care about guys making money. It's just in the cap world that impacts the cap. I think Justin looking at you know looking at playing on the wing if they find the appropriate center, I think is one thing that they can look at. I, I thought I was impressed that when. You know, Ryan O'Reilly came that Tavares had acquiesced and was on the wing a little bit. Then, you know, I did O'Reilly gets hurt that game and against Vancouver and, you know, never 
you know, never really gets a chance to fit in at the level you hoped you would because he missed all those games and to see what the ultimate plan would have been. But I think that's one thing you have to, I, I would never, hey, hey, you know what? Like, I mean, uh, he signed, he signed the, the, uh, the contract a very honorable way. You know, the Maple Leafs pursued him hard. He made a, a decision, and, um, and we were thrilled in Toronto that he did it. And so, yeah, I certainly uh, would never expect uh, him to want to move anywhere else given uh, what, he, what he endured to come here from a, a, a beloved place he was with the Islanders. And, yeah, you know, he was one of the positives in the regular season as well. You know, like, I'll, I'll, I'll throw those three games in the back burner at some point against Florida to go back to a phenomenal regular season and, and the great comeback wins against the Tampa Bay Lightning about finding ways to win and, you know, he had a he had a uptick in his year. William Nylander had a great season. You know, so I, I can get back on board about all that and get excited about those guys staying. I, I just I just I, I don't I just don't hear enough about okay, with like what Sheldon Keith said, really saying, man, did we ever did we ever miss an opportunity because the way we played those first three games? I don't hear enough of that. Yeah, I think it was a, it's a fair criticism, Gord. I mean, we didn't hear really anything of substance. I don't think the entire day, really, other than what was kind of in, uh, expected until Kyle Dubas hit the podium and gave us some of that honesty that we've been clamoring for. So uh, I, I think that's still a work in progress. Uh, but Kyle Dubas seems like he wants change. And if he wants change and wants to stay, uh, this team might look a little bit different next season. Gord, we appreciate you have are you coming on this morning. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can chat again down the road soon. Sounds good, Justin. You take care. You take care, too. Brent, great catching up. Always good, Gordo. That's Gord Stellick, former Maple Leafs GM and co-host of Leafs Nation with Brent Gunning. Uh, yeah, he's, That's my guy. I just got to say, he's your guy. I love Gord. He's the best. I got to work with him like in my internship here. I have come up through the trenches loving Gord Stellick, and now I get to call him my co-host. So I just got to – it has been an there awesome year. Me and him didn't get to do – you know, we kept not ending post games with, like, goodbyes because we're like, surely there will be another – Right. Mm-hmm. And then inevitably there wasn't. So I just got to say for everybody who listen, Leaf Station pre and post all year long. Thank you. Awesome ride. And uh, I love doing it with and, Gord. And you got to say goodbye because we toggle back and forth with the other guys, of course, That's with, right. with the rights. So you attended game five, but Gord was not there. Gord correct? wasn't there. No. Yeah. Well, actually, I can't confirm that. You know, Gord knows people. Yeah, okay? Gord could be in the seats. Gord, Gord could have box. Been, I was going to say the seats. Not that he's too good for the seats. <laughs> it's just something tells me if he wants to. He could worm his way into a suite. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, I actually think that's how it works. Is like he's he just is alumni. He well, it's just he's just so beloved. Like they're just we work with these people. You know them in your lives. There's just never a bad word to be said about him. So I don't know why this turned into the Gord Stella Gushathon, but I love the man. It's not the black card, but he can just gain entrance yeah. to that arena uh, uh, at any time. Uh, we are going to do the players next. We did. The uh, we did Keith Dubas Shanahan ish discussion in the first block here. I have, Just, I have one other thing on Dubas that I do want to get to. We won't do it here, sure. but I wanted to pick it up on the other side. Okay, let's let's pick that up on the other side because I did want to underscore one more thing from Dubas as well. And frankly, the players didn't say much. So we will <laughs> finish our Dubas discussion right after the break and then get into what the players had to say yesterday as the Leafs cleaned out their lockers after their five game defeat at the hands of the Florida Panthers in round two.